Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Gwee here. You know, I'm bringing home the bacon in these episodes. I'm talking about the tracks everyone wants. No one can wait for these episodes. People are just people are just going on the de- Patreon in desperate hope that maybe it's uploaded already. These are the Lulu episodes, and today we'll be talking about Pumping Blood, which is a song that has really grown on me, actually, through doing this episode. And quite a few people have the same opinion that musically it's pretty fucking undeniable actually like absolutely love the music that metallica make on this song and you know lou's contribution as always is uh interestingly sincere but yeah this is tom we're here alpha metallica if you're not familiar with the show we're going through every single metallica song in alphabetical order you join us here on the p's you join us here you know getting at the end towards the end of the journey at least 115 we are we've got about 160 or so episodes to do there'll probably be some b-sides that i've forgotten but i can really do b-sides but maybe some covers or something like that i think i think i've got the whole span there and there are a few songs available so if you want to come on the show like today's guest get in touch with metallicapod.gmail.com and i'll let you know what's available had a few people today actually get in touch which was nice and just yeah there's not too much left now so if you do want to hop on the train let me know over there metallicapod.gmail.com uh get in touch with us at metallicapod as well follow us on twitter one of the main things that I do over there is to ask for your feedback on this on songs like this. And this song has very little feedback, understandably. I didn't expect the deluge that would greet like a, a one or whatever like that or an Orion, you know, recent sort of cool episode. Definitely check those out on the YouTube channel. Patreon is there. I feel like I've been flogging a million things at this time, so I'll just get to my guest all the way from Rhode Island. Dylan, how's it going, sir? Not too bad. How about yourself, Tom? Very well. And, you know, you're a musician. So, I am. you know, what's the influence of Metallica on, on you as a musician? Oh, boy. Uh, well, uh, I, I started by learning pretty much every single one of their, uh, uh, of the first four records. Um, and then uh, just, I, yeah, I was a guitar player from 13. And that, that's about the time I started listening to Metallica. And I went to a music high school and uh, my teacher was a professional bass player. And he just kind of put me down on Metallica for a while. He's kind of kind of discounted them so yeah who who was uh, this guy was he on any records his asshole he no so okay so he's actually on quite a few records and and he's got some high school music that is incredibly influenced by metallica and megadeth okay and i think i think he's just uh i think he saw like a youthful glory in me uh, being so hyped about metallica and he's like well we gotta we gotta teach you classical and all this uh and jazz and we gotta break your spirit a little bit but now that um you know, now I'm coming back around to uh, just the, this phase of my life. I'm coming really back around to metal and going back to how much I just love Metallica. They're they are they're my favorite band. They're, them and the Beatles are by far my favorite band. I, I've always said I think if you did a census of every music fan in the world and just asked them their favorite band, I reckon Metallica and the Beatles would probably be top two. I think I just Probably, get this yeah. sense that Metallica, and there's lots of others, of course, as well, vying for that top spot. But, you know, there's them too, in my own biased viewpoint. What about you and Metallica, this love of Metallica, then? When did that really start? Like, how are you getting into them? So my initial introduction was at a library in uh, Maryland, which is about nine hours south of where I live, where my grandparents live. And I was visiting them and stopped by the library, and I found a copy of Master of Puppets. And at that point in my life, I was a kid, and I was really into just copying CDs to have them on my computer, um, but not listening to them. So I did that with Master of Puppets because I knew that was one of those classic records. And I, I listened to it here and there, but I never really dove deep. But then I heard the S&M record, and that version of Master of Puppets just 
kick me in the face. And I'm like, okay, now I need to listen to this band and dive into everything. And uh, around that time, I uh, St. Anger was coming out, and my, my local library had a copy of it. And I was going through kind of a rough time in uh, middle school. I was getting bullied a lot. And I took St. Anger home from the library, and I was expecting – you know, the level of Master of Puppets, uh, S&M, you know, and uh, one on S&M. And just that whole record just blew me away. Granted, that wasn't, you know, the standard to hold everything to, but it was, I, I knew there was epicness. And then St. Anger also kicked me in the face in another another side of things. I, I loved it. I, I knew that it, it was different. I knew it was taking chances. Uh, it was... It was very unique, and I, I immediately recognized that there was a spectrum to this band, um, and I wanted, I wanted in on the research. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just, of course, and I just started. I, at that time, I was starting to learn guitar as well, and I just, okay, I'm going to learn how to play all of these songs. Uh, so I started playing the first four records, and. Um, yeah, that's how I taught myself a lot of guitar. And then uh, when Death Magnetic came out when I was in high school, and I learned how to play that whole record on guitar in about a month. Talking about difficult records then, you know, that blindside you, we've got to mention Lulu, of which you're a fan, I gather. I love Lulu. Lulu, uh, again, this is all I'm going to keep referencing when these records come out, because I feel like they come out at important times. I feel like I always get on trains that uh, too late, but then once I'm on the train things hit me at the perfect time. Uh, and Lulu came out when I was in college. And naturally, you know, you, your life gets a little experimental in college. And Lulu came out and it was, holy cow, this is incredible. This is, you know, I was jamming with people a lot. Um, I grant I went to a music high school, but it was very strict and regimented. Uh, and at least in its um, musical education. And then when I got to college, I discovered a lot more people that were into more experimental jamming things and and that connected with me and hearing just the rawness and that that might not be a word the just how raw it was and and uh knowing that it was recorded in a couple of days that really struck me and it, it sounds so gorgeous and it's so immense and deep uh when you listen to it with headphones on you just get taken to a different place at that time i was also uh, delivering a lot of pizzas, uh, and uh, it's good <laughs> like repetitive with... riff pizza delivery music. Actually, I can definitely hear it. That. Really is, yeah. but I was like doing it in the summer with the windows down at night, uh-huh. and it was just like really nice, you know, summer night music. Yeah. And um, for example, like Cheat on Me, yeah, uh, that yeah, yeah. that like three or four minutes. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's more like five minutes. That uh-huh. just super melodic opening with the uh, continuum. I believe the instrument's called. Yeah. Uh, just it takes you to a different place, and so Lulu just really clicked with me. And when I found this podcast, I'm like, I, I gotta talk about Lulu a little bit because I have nobody to talk about Lulu. With. Well, no, no, I, no one ever wants to talk about the Lulu track, so I definitely appreciate this enthusiasm. And a lot of them, I think, I've done on my own, or people have sort of said if I want to come on the show and whatever. And you know, there are other ones available. But uh, what about you and Lou Reed? Like, are you a big fan of this guy or? Not really. I, I've heard, you know, the Velvet Underground and Nico record. Yep. And um, just from, you know, reading the Lulu Wikipedia and how many times it's compared to metal machine music, mm-hmm. I listened to about, you know, 15 seconds of that and got the gist. Right. Um, but, I, I, you know, like, 
you're a huge Tom Waits fan, and mm -hmm. I Tom Waits took me a second, but once I dove in, it was like, holy cow, this is amazing stuff. So maybe Lou Reed is in that same vein. Maybe so. I think he's got a bit more of a, a spotted history. But but yeah, as I, as I always say when I mention him as well, Transformer, which is kind of the archetypal urban outfit as hipster album, you know, him sort of washed out goth on the cover. It's a really cool cover. Loads of great songs on there as well. Perfect Day, Vicious, Walk on the Wild Side. It's funny actually how, you know, the, the, the dime of fate turns because today I was listening to a new podcast called Podabing, which is a Sopranos podcast. I'm personally obsessed with the Sopranos. I'm on an rewatch at the moment. And they had Michael Imperioli that everyone knows, Christopher. He wrote for the show. He you know, played an incredible character for all those seasons as well. And anyway, he wrote a novel about Lou Reed. And he was talking about Lou Reed for the whole episode. And he threw down some tracks. And, you know, I was waiting for him to say Lulu just by chance. But obviously, it never came up. It's called The Perfume Burned His Eyes, dear listeners, as well. Apparently, it's a coming-of-age story about a teenage boy who befriends Lou Reed in the 1970s. He lives underneath him in an apartment block. But, um, you know, Lou Reed gets flack rightly so i do understand that but um you know i want to point everyone to an interesting article that i found entitled metallica and lou reed's lulu it's actually excellent this is by uh, james parker in the atlantic i believe and he lists his five reasons here and um they do make an in intriguing medley um i mean first of all he talks about the sound which oh it sounds before. gorgeous yeah it's kind of in this I don't know, it's kind of almost if Death Magnetic got the sort of panoramic treatment. Um, it's treated far more cinematically. And, I mean, the riffs, um, the riffs are quite repetitive, but they're also, like, ever-changing, you know what I mean? They're very hard to pin down. It's like Heraclitus. You don't walk, you don't listen to the same riff twice. It's very diaphanous. I, yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, in, in regards to the production, the second I heard it, that was actually one of the first things, I, well... Obviously, the, the first thing I heard was uh, I would cut my legs and, and uh, beep off. Uh, can I swear on here? I forget now. Yeah, yeah, of course. I would cut my legs and tits off when I think of Boris Karloff and Kinski. So obviously, that was the first thing I heard. But once that production kicks in, once the once Metallica kicks in, I, I first thing I thought was, this is what Death Magnetic should have been mixed like. This is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also the ever-changing riffs, especially in regards to Pumping Blood, it's yeah. that same ba 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 motif, but it keeps changing. Ba da da ba ba, and then they do the bum bum bum, which is like. Uh... Sorry, quick question: Can I play my guitar on here to emulate these riffs? Uh, yeah, yeah, please. I can. Okay, cool. Um, I also noticed, like, I, I just jamming on the song. Uh, James is playing in drop D, which they don't play in much. You know, um, they only have a couple of songs in drop D, but. You know, you start with, uh, it's G, A, B, B, uh, E, B. So, like, it has that cool movement, but then it also moves to. But it keeps that feel the whole time and, and kind of tricks you into thinking it's still playing the first riff, in a sense. Yeah, and that little, that little tying smattering of notes that James has. And, I mean, just the way the guitars behave in this track is pretty remarkable. I think it's some of the all-time best Kirk and James playing in the sense that Kirk's inhabiting this really high, wheedling sound that kind of morphs as well and has very typical theatrical guitar bends and squeals, but also is this, you know, amnesiac wash of noise. And James riffing below, as you say... It creates quite a wild sonic canvas. Yeah, it's super interesting. And for a long time, I was wondering if that was Kirk doing that. But mm. then it just became clear that it's 
it had to be because of course if they're doing these live there's no way that could have been dubbed in with anything else yeah or... i mean th- there's some sort of production on that i mean and just just to finish our list because i know people will be interested as well about why lulu's excellent they also mentioned the thing so the idea that you know metallica is teaming up with lulu which yeah is an incredible thing and you know they are their backing man to a certain extent the lyrics get mentioned which we'll get into with pumpy blood the oh, playing course. as well and I, you know, I would say individually as musicians, it's a highlight in all of their careers. They, they all oh, yeah. excel themselves. Definitely, especially on this track, Pumping Blood, uh, in that middle section um, where James is playing clean and, and Kirk is barely doing anything and Rob is playing these really nice um, just uh, C, A, and then back to the root E. Um, just really super simple, but Lars is beating the shit out of the snares and the, and the crashes. Uh, but it's super tasteful. It's like, it's this anger amidst, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, it being in an institution and they're putting a straitjacket on you and keeping the drugs in and, and it's this calm, but inside you're just raging. And that's like, I, I feel like a lot of this influence, uh, this record is influenced by, it's, it's based on a play obviously, but, um uh what year was the the play written it was uh 1800s something right um yeah yeah in, in the 1800s um so very like uh old school sanitarium for lack of a better word feel um where it's this calm between storms but the storm is still raging and Lars really plays that off very well and actually, in uh, one respect, sorry, I know you're going through the list, but in one respect, I, I wish Lars did, would have a ride symbol on this record because it would have been a good spot for it in a couple places, especially in this song. Well, I mean, um, Lars has pretty much a duet with Lou Reed during this song. Like, they played yeah. off each other's rhythmic pulses in, again, breaking new ground for Metallica. I never saw them occupy something like this between, you know, obviously James sings to the wrist so well as well, but just this interlocking of instrument and voices is staggering. And then finally, they mentioned Junior Dad. That's their number five, which I discussed with Tommy recently. Both of us really, you know, broke into this on Great Conversation. We both adore that track. And, you know, as a Lulu fan, um, I'm guessing yourself, Dylan, appreciate a bit of Junior Dad. I love it. It's a it's a me- very meditative song that it's yeah to to reuse or you can very much meditate to it. It's a very calming, uh, ethereal, but it takes you inside and really makes you think, but zone out at the same time. It's it's beautiful. And getting into the song, then you know we opening with this burgeoning sense of discord, these strings that are sprouting. They feel very curious. It's kind of beautiful. Sounds a little bit like Tomb Raider pause menu music. Maybe that's a niche '90s reference, but it definitely feels that way to me. And you know, from I, I can't, the... the reference went over my head. I yeah, it's, it, I, I might play. A, I might play a clip here actually, but it's not going to sound anything like it in reality. But uh, yeah, and then a beat slowly emerges. And then we're carried along like a very compelling introduction, isn't it? This early minute or so. Oh, definitely. That uh, those strings. I love how it starts with two strings, then three, then four, because I, I believe they have four. Uh, one, two, three. Yep, yeah, four uh, string players and a cello. Uh, I don't believe. I don't think the cello shows up much on Pumping Blood, or at least it doesn't sound like it does. Maybe it does. Um, but that intro, it's just two and then three and then four and the way they all come in and play off each other very curiously like 
oh, this is the melody you're doing? Okay, let me yeah. uh, let me try this. It's it's really interesting and yeah, curious. And then that thump, thump, thump. Mm. That's the heart pumping blood, and it just drives that whole song. And I'm, it's so good. That that yeah. it's so crisp too. That kick drum sounds incredible. I don't know if there's triggers on it. Who knows? I've I've had a couple of my uh, producers that are better than myself tell me that yeah, Lars uses triggers, but uh, they sound beautiful. <laughs> if if it's triggers on this, it sounds beautiful. Just the the sort of the continuum of Kirk that's tapped into by James's riffing underneath that I mentioned before him oscillating like a pheromon and James's riffs are just so characterful even though they're quite repetitive there's so much of him in there and you know let's think about Dyer Z let's think about Damage Inc let's think about James verse riffs that are always changing slightly always sliding on their heels and there's such an authoritative stomp like you say like so much of Lulu it's very much a giant riff and maybe a second one I think this song has a little bit more of a structure overall in terms of its modes right oh definitely it it changes but then it, it comes back to a to that thumping feel but it's still got these it, yeah interesting changes it's uh, uh i love the He's bouncing uh, from C, uh, C, B, E, and then every now and then he'll go C, A, E. I apologize if I'm getting too music theory. Yeah. That's the only way I can think. Um, but you, you never know when he's going to change the riff up, and it doesn't sound like Rob knows either. Kirk's on his own plane there, so he can mm-hmm. just kind of do his own thing and, and just follow the feel, and when everyone else's feel changes, he can... He can change his feel. Um, One of my favourite moments as well is as we get into the kind of more nautical movement uh, where Lou is talking about, you know, um, the tributaries of his heart and that sort of idea. Just before that, Kurt's guitar, you know, it just sounds so insane. This intergalactic ache. This It sounds like a red dwarf putting a black hole in a head like it just says... It's just this oh, huge, yeah. you know, wheeling kind of cancerous call there. I, I, I just think it's crazy. And, you know, I, I dog on Kirk and I will continue to dog on Kirk because late era Kirk, I mean, it's kind of lame, really, solo-wise. But there are some high points such as this, uh, which are really impressive. And the band are quite loud, aren't they? Lou is not maybe as front and center as he is in some other tracks, even though, obviously, you can't really not hear his uh, leadedness. Uh, well, I, I really love the way he sounds on this track, especially in the beat. Oh, blood! He kind of sounds like he's a zombie coming for you. You know, it sounds like. Uh, uh, did you see that? Um, the I forget what it's called. The new Jim Jarmusch movie where Tom uh, Tom Waits is in it and uh, yeah. Iggy Pop plays a zombie. It kind of yeah. feels like Iggy Pop zombie coming at you. Pumping blood. You know, it feels like that. But but Lou Reed, uh, and but it's a it's a real nice dynamic between how heavy it is it feels like the zombie has already killed you uh or is banging on your door it's already here um and then uh, like you compared kirk's uh you know guitar sound at the end of that heavy section to a throttling i love i was listening to it today uh in my car and i surrounding me the way it cuts off it kind of sounds just like it i i I love your podcast because you often you compare music 
to to actions in that sense. And I, I often do that as well when I'm trying to convey musical ideas. Like, yeah, have the guitar just like strangle him, you yeah. know? Uh, and then the way it cuts off is like, well, it it was Henry Cavill twisting Zod's neck, and it's over. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's a beautiful like action to all of it. And like now we're in a new part of the song. Yeah, it is. It is a great act change. Yeah, and Lou is a man of steel, as, as you mentioned, in the centre of this maelstrom. I love the fact that he says around the three and a half minute mark, "Come on, James." Yeah, I love that too. It reminds me of uh, "Go, Johnny, Go." In um, <laughs> uh, was it uh, for you, Blue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of all another Beatles callback. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, uh, something I wanted to ask you. Um, it's a little cliche of me to say that, you know, the Beatles and Metallica are my two favorite bands, but they really are. But have you ever heard of Metallica or listened to them? Yeah, I've only heard a little bit, but I enjoyed it in passing. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of them. They are hilarious, but also awesome because I'm a huge fan of, again, theory and how compositions work. And the way you've dissected uh, these Metallica songs, I really think you would get a kick out of how they dissect them as well, but mesh them with dissected Beatles songs. Uh, everybody's got a ticket to ride except for me and my lightning. Right, you know? right. <laughs> so sorry to deviate again. No, but, no, no. Um, I, I, I just recently actually on a YouTube binge, I discovered um, Bohemian Rhapsody played in the style of System of a Down. And that was pretty awesome. eye-opening wow. as well, yeah. The, the first twenty, first two, three minutes was kind of mesmerizing. And I was kind of like, yeah. And then the last half, he did it kind of very much like Sugar, like the early albums. The kind of like the whiny needle. So definitely oh, appreciate that. Awesome. But I've yeah, got it pulled up, so I will listen to that after this. For yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone, everyone, go check it out. It's, I, I think it's got a couple of million views. Um, so you know, as we're pushing on, then we're getting some crazy flourishes from Lars. Like he's having the time of his life on this song. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, uh, as you were saying, they definitely trade off ideas. Um, uh, one of my favorite parts of the song that I sing along without fail every single time I have it on. We grow apart. I love it because it's one of the few times in the song that Lou Reed sings anything. And it's just, it's that and the way uh, Lars even kind of hits the toms at a, not the same time, but it, it's it's one of those few moments in a free form jam session where something lines up and you're just like, yes, that, that works. Yep. We're keeping that. <laughs> even though they keep the whole thing, you know, it, it really, it, I love it. And he's, he, the the craziness of um, as he he's climbing up and down hills with his pronunciation. Uh, Would you top me off as I de-? like he's he's yeah. he gets louder and softer and climbs up in pitch, but he's not singing. You know, it's 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 good stuff. It is, it is, and and sometimes it is kind of incoherent babbling in the charming way that Lou does it, but sometimes it really plays uh, with the whirlwind of the song at the end. So as everything's swirling up and, you know, the riff's going wild underneath, that, that, that last riff, which I want to get to in a second, like, you know, him talking about, oh, Jack, I beseech you, supreme violation, you know, displaying this murder, uh, juxtaposes it so sharply against what's going on. Oh yeah, and I I have the um, the genius page pulled up, and the only annotated lyrics are the "Oh Jack, I beseech you," and you <laughs> click on it, and it says Jack in this case mo- most likely refers to the serial killer known as Jack the Ripper. Right. And that's the only thing that can be drawn from this song by anybody on the internet, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess it, it is also something to pull from the song, um, in in terms of uh, 
like a, a place in time or uh, any sort of concrete meaning, but even that it's, it's still wild and random, but yeah, it's a, it's painful and, and hurting uh, some good stuff in it. And that final riff then that the song kind of concludes on, even though it returns to the intro um, for kind of its ending ending. Um, I mean, this to me, this riff has grown on me so, so much. It really feels like it could have been on another instrumental, maybe that they didn't put into Master of Puppets or something. There's something very, you know. Trying to the, uh... Yeah. That one? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a yeah, beautiful yeah. riff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a that's Kirk riff. playing that part, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm not quite sure, but to me, it's just there's something so throwback and so satisfying about it. It just, and in almost the same way as I feel the Orion riffs are very hypnotic and endless to me. Like I can kind of listen to them forever. There's some sort of there's a real depth there. Um, there's a real kind of sense of emotive feeling, and just with that closing riff and everything else going on around it, makes for such a satisfying conclusion to what is like genuinely a brilliant piece of music that I really, really enjoy. Same. I really wish that ending part would go on for a couple of minutes longer. It actually yeah. kind of reminds me of The Call of Cthulhu. Um, uh, it sounds like it's going to break into the dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it also kind of has, again, another Beatles comparison, but they're just the best. Um, it it kind of has a bit of a feel, this is bold, uh, of A Day in the Life. Wow. Uh, with how much it just kind of builds up. Um, it doesn't have that big stop and explosion, but the way it's just, it's building up to something ambitious and it doesn't know what, and it's, it's good. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep ending on that. There's nothing else I, I can end on with every sentence besides it's good because every, I don't have any bad memories associated with Lulu. No, No, it's uh, 7 minutes, 24 seconds, so, you know, it's pretty much the average length for Lulu. And as I say, we go onto the at Metallica pod Twitter and ask for your figure. There hasn't been much, as I mentioned. Nick Makoviak saying, great riff, good band performance, suffers in the songwriting department that plagues Lulu. Ralph saying, listen to the whole album again once. Uh, Tried a second time and just couldn't do it. I respect what they're doing, but still think it's trash from top to bottom. As much as I want to like it. Never looked at the album as Metallica albums. Still don't. Just meh. John Bradshaw saying, I've never heard it. Thanks, John. And Lars Ulrich's hairline saying, uh, the riff's cool. Which, I mean, they're all kind of cool, Lars. But uh, I get, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, any uh, any final thoughts on this, Dylan, this song? Uh, well, uh, one of the things I was reading was that... Um... David Bowie had said that it was Lou Reed's greatest work before he had died. And that, I think that says a lot. I think if anyone's hesitant, uh, whichever uh, commenter there said that he just didn't listen to it. I love, I love that he wanted that five seconds of attention for that. Uh, if, uh, if that's any, um, anything to sway you to listen to it, that it was David Bowie's favorite work by his friend. So, uh, Mm -hmm. like that's, I think that's something to take away from that. Um, and uh, also, uh, again, on the uh, the Wikipedia page, uh, Lars was saying that he uh, had played it for his kids, and he was saying, uh, in uh, 25 years from now, you're going to have millions of people claiming they own the record or loved it when it came out. Of course, neither will be true. Uh, one half of that is true. I love this thing from the second I heard it. Uh, it's, it's just, it continues to be powerful. I, I didn't listen to the whole record in preparation for this. I should have, but I'm going to go back and re-listen to it. I'm always a fan of bands outliers and the the things that people don't uh that that they kind of ignore or just go yeah that's a joke 
Uh, for example, I'm seeing Blaze Bailey in concert tonight. I'm a big fan oh, of his Iron Maiden uh, stuff. So. Yo, shout out Future Real. Uh, dude, I love Future Real. I, for, for the past month, actually, uh, I've been working on an Iron Maiden Blaze Bailey cover project of just his stuff from mm. Iron Maiden. Uh, yeah, and Future Future Real is what I started with. I love that's such a good song. Future Real is probably the best his song of his. I'd say We're definitely up definitely. there. That album was all right. Um, Two Worlds Collide was okay. Oh, it's Angel, great. Sign Angel, of the Cross. Angel and the Gambler is way too long. Oh, oh, it's terrible. I don't like yeah. Angel and the Gambler. That's, that's like one of the worst Maiden songs ever. <laughs> that's not one of the ones I'm covering. No, no. <laughs> maybe good, maybe, good. Uh, maybe my next cover project. Uh, I've, I've done James Bond cover projects, now with Blaze Bailey. Maybe my next one, I'll do a Lulu cover project. I'll do the best oh, of... Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool to see. You've got to do the lyrics as well. You've got to do the performance of Blue, as well as the voice. Of course. And I, I've listened to, to podcasts that make fun of this record, too. There's a great podcast called Two Minutes to Late Night, and they do great record reviews of, you know, notoriously uh, bad-reviewed records like this. And uh, they, so they just spend an hour, you know, crabbing on it, and I love it. I, I think it's great because it's people talking about it because nobody talks about this record. Nobody gives it any attention, but at least they're listening to it because it's a great record. It's, yeah. uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, um, you know, Anthony Fantano? No, I can't say I do. The Needle Drop. He's kind of, he's a, Oh, very, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very sort of acclaimed YouTube reviewer. He actually quite likes this record. Not that his word is gospel or anything, but it was nice to see his review on it. I've rewatched it for today. And, uh, yeah, he was pretty up on a lot of the tracks on it, including this one. So, um, yeah, that has been Pumping Blood. I'm just trying to think what we've got else coming up in terms of Lulu next. Uh, I should have checked this before. I think that's it on the list. I'm looking at um, uh, oh, the, the, the View. The View the view and The Wait. Oh, no, sorry, just The View, excuse me. Just The View. Yeah, yeah The View is the last one there. So, oh, um, yeah, do you have anyone for The View? I do actually have someone for The View, yeah. Kevin Van Damme, actually, who uh, oh, I've had on the show. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, that should be a good episode. That will be coming out, um, one of our last episodes. That will be the 30th of September this year, recording is on the 14th of May. So we'll close up a few quickfire questions. Um, what's your favorite Metallica song? Oh, boy. Um, might be the S&M version of One. Mm. Uh, if that if you're going by, by versions. Oh, that intro. Uh, holy cannoli, yeah. where the strings oh, just... In mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or that was just your life. Mm, that that song keeps coming up. I love that it's song. It's so good. That riff is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me just take a drink of water. Yeah, the riff is astonishing on that. That riff is just dynamite. It's got it's it's sharp. It's got it's got teeth to it. It's mm-hmm. and then the there's one little thing in that that gets me every time when he circles around after the guitar solo and they go back into the main riff. Rather than doing that, um, uh, where he uh, alternate picks very quickly, he just down picks just once, and it just makes me so happy. I'm like, Metallica's back. This is <laughs> they never went anywhere because I love Saint Anger, but holy cannoli, they're back. Uh, what about fa- favorite album? Um, uh, again, I might say S and M just because it's so damn good and it's also like the only metallica greatest hits record we really have um but if not that then it is a tie between um lightning and justice but also lulu is maybe third or fourth it's up there lulu is up there <laughs> right, damn, strange like up there. 
<laughs> so, yeah, it's um, just because it's so weird. I like weird stuff. You know, I like weird, weird music that is outside of the norm. I like when bands establish a sound and they want you to think that that's all they're capable of, and then they throw you a curveball at you, and people sometimes just don't appreciate it. And that, I love it. Yeah. Favorite member of the band? Uh, Cliff. Yeah. Yeah, Cliff. So, because they they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have been able to. I mean, they might. They, I don't know. I don't. I can't make any assumptions. But the the his contributions just got them on the road that they're on. And uh, seeing them live, have you seen them live at all? So I've only had one uh, live experience with Metallica. I saw them in 2009 on the, uh, was it World Magnetic? Um, yep. Uh, it was in Boston. Uh, it was in, I think, either December or January. I don't know. If I usually have a, a usually lightning fast with them. I, I, I don't remember the exact date. But I got to say, I was disappointed by the show. I think it was later in the cycle, and they were just tired, but they did not... Uh, put on the best of shows and going back and listening. Cause uh, I, I don't know if they still do this cause I've, I've only seen them live once. Um, but I had the uh, live download of the, um, the show afterwards. And even listening back to that, it was really rough. They were definitely having an off night, uh, but machine had opened and they were incredible. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I hope I, I I'll, I'll go see them again for sure. I missed them on this last tour. Uh, but maybe the next one that comes around, I'll, uh, I'll I'll definitely go see them. And the final question: if you if you were to do a podcast like this about a band that you love, I mean, don't say the Beatles; they're off limits. No, as well. no, no, no Beatles or Metallica. Who would you go with? Uh, I'd, maybe uh, pro- probably Rush. Uh, yep. that, that R- Rush keep coming up as well. Yeah, they're incredible. They, they are. I mean, they are. They're astonishing. Power Windows is fire. I'm just getting back into it. Oh, I love it. I love. I love those those records that people consider the weaker ones. Hold Your Fire is a great record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Power Windows is fantastic. Um, so yeah, either Rush or Nine Inch Nails. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I've got to say, I like Nine Inch Nails. Have you listened to Ghosts at all? I have the yeah. uh, the instrumental record from which the Old Town Road sample comes from. Yes, that's right. It does actually, and it also features heavily on the social network in slightly morphed versions. Oh yeah, but but, but yeah. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to those, by the way, I think it's like thirty six of them. They're like little minute tunes. They're absolutely incredible. I've loved oh, that yeah. album for a long time. There's some fucking yeah outrageously good uh, guitar playing and inventive stuff on there. So um, I guess finally yourself, your music. How do people get at you? Anything to promote? Uh, uh, you can find me on Spotify and iTunes, uh, Dylan Titus, D-Y-L-A-N-T-I-T-U-S, uh, Titus Compositions uh, on uh, Instagram. I don't really do the social media, so i got to get somebody to do that for me. Um, but yeah, I have uh, two records available on Spotify. Um, you'll recognize uh, them if you, see, if you see a cat. You'll recognize it. You're there. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, and that's all... There's, there's a lot of influences, but Metallica is probably the biggest influence in there. Uh, so. All right, man. Well, um, this has been great. 
thank you again for coming on. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, again, if you guys want to hop on and do a discussion with MutallicaBot at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash alphabetallica. Basically, if you support there, you get access to an RSS feed and episodes like this go on there first and um, sort of, yeah, new previews and stuff like that and just help to give back. Leave us a review on iTunes as well if you enjoy and want to give back. We would appreciate that. We're going to be permanently including Ethan Shadow on that note, but still, it's uh, it's good to be second place, so just reaffirm us there. Uh, we will be back uh, very shortly. We're doing two episodes a week, as you've noticed. So we've got Purify coming out, which is a really fun discussion actually uh, already recorded that great one song. with uh, yeah yeah great uh, say anger number and then we've got rebel of babylon remember tomorrow ride the lightning and ronnie coming up in the next couple of weeks or so um but dylan this has been great man thank you again oh thank you so very much for having me tom you're doing the lord's work <laughs> <laughs>